Welcome to a new conversation with Hani and Peretz, episode 5, part 1, titled Reimagining a Chabad House, a candid conversation with Hani and Peretz. In this episode, Peretz and I are the guests and are being hosted by Yael Asin, class of 2008, who, starting back from her college days, has never shied away from engaging with us in authentic conversations, even if it made us uncomfortable. And this is in part why we love her. In this conversation, we open up about our 17 years at the Chabad House at Brandeis and the pivot we've recently undertook. Enjoy. Why don't we start with what you do at Chabad at Brandeis? You, you call it a shlichut. What does that mean? So what we do, um, you rightfully called it shlichut. Uh, we moved to Waltham 17 years ago to engage the students at Brandeis in a way that um, they cannot be engaged anywhere else, in a way that promotes growth of character and growth in Judaism through both um, experiential experiences and as well as learning. I'm sure a lot of people wonder why you picked Brandeis. Brandeis has a heavily Jewish population. And before you came to Brandeis, a lot of of Jewish life on campus. Didn't you worry that you were wasting your time picking a school like Brandeis? Why didn't you go somewhere else? That was actually an assumption that existed uh, before we arrived, not only at Brandeis, but outside of Brandeis as well. And there was great hesitation uh, by individuals who were looking to start a Chabad house to come to Brandeis. Uh, we chose Brandeis because really it was just the opportunity here arose uh, by somebody who wanted to help uh, give the resources to start it. As far as the life, the Jewish life that existed here already, it was of a, of a particular nature, one that was lacking a Chabad presence, which included both a certain warmth and connection, uh, a certain intimacy, uh, that would be provided by, in our case, a couple and a family coming here and engaging with students in that type of environment. Uh, not to mention the called the stimulation, uh, the challenging that comes uh, comes along with sort of the Chabad philosophy uh, that didn't exist. And while at first it was this sort of hesitancy and suspicion for its need and its success. Uh, now, I know, 17 years later, the, our concept has proven itself, but it started proving itself a lot earlier. You talk about the, the, um, the need for a Chabad presence. What do you mean by that? How, what, what is the Chabad philosophy, if you had to uh, narrow it down to a few sentences? How is, how is the Chabad philosophy different than the, uh, than the philosophy that existed on campus already? Well, to begin with... It's one that um, is deeply mystically oriented, which means that we don't view people by their appearances. And when I mean their appearances, I don't mean only their physical appearances, but I mean also their social appearances. Do you belong to this group? Did you grow up in this environment? Did you grow up with this knowledge, with this experience? We have built in our psyche this sentiment of, when we see a person, when we see a Jew, we see them as just being Jewish, and we're able to connect with them on that way, and we're able to get them to connect with each other on that way. So compartmentalization, 
that occurs whether socially you're in this clique of friends, whether um, uh, by your religious orientation you went to this day school, you went to this summer camp, you didn't go to any of them, that isolates people and doesn't let people to connect and grow um, in Chabad that doesn't exist. And that's why we have the capacity in a certain sense, despite our very unique, different upbringing, being Hasidic, being Orthodox, to connect with people and live amongst people who are by appearances so different because we don't see th people by appearances, we see them sort of in a mystical eye. That's the first thing. The second thing that we bring in the Chabad is that deep sense of commitment. Uh, that we're here not because we're offered a job or because we're getting some type of promotion, but we're here because we care deeply about having this connection, having this impact, and that's why we will be here for life in a sense, that deep sense of mission. So quantitatively, we're here for that long. Qualitatively, to reflect itself also in the interactions that we have where people are in our homes, people are in our lives, and the connections that we make go really, really deep to the point that not only when they're in school, we have that intimate connection, but also when they leave school for years to come, that connection uh, exists. And that connections allow for a deeper uh, impact and, and um, relationship and growth that, again, was, is unique to the Chabad model. And I'll say the third one is that in the Chabad philosophy, there is this sense of personal growth, that personal connection that the individual, in this case, say myself, has with God. And that stimulates me and pushes me to always better myself, uh, become more committed, more connected, and very reflective and honest about myself, what is missing, what is lacking. And that carries over to what we give to the students uh, because of its deep mystical, again, I use the word mystical a lot because it is a, 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 what distinguishes it from any other branch or school in, in uh, Judaism, even within observant and orthodox Judaism. Yeah, I think uh, one of the most striking things about you is how uh, welcoming you are of all people and personalities, and you make everyone feel at home. That's why I started coming to Chabad. Uh, you have an open door. It's not just it's not just a job for you. You you really do give to students. I was I was just here Mitzvah Shabbat Saturday night, and somebody walked in the door, no knocking, walked in the door at nine thirty p.m. and it was like a normal thing. And you offered them coffee, and they sat down and they talked. So you you're always there for students. Um, but I had a question on that point, which is. Uh, you're you're so welcoming. You're so open. You make people feel comfortable. But at the same time, what I what I think you're going to be talking about in this podcast is an honesty and an openness that uh, is kind of in in conflict with that with the idea that everyone is welcoming. Everyone is welcome. Sorry. So so how do you um, how do you bring those things together? How do you how do you attract people, but also be an honest voice in your community? In the beginning years, um, in a certain sense, we had to prove our concept, and specifically at Brandeis, which, which is 
has a very um, apparent Jewish vibe to it. And in the beginning, it was about, you know, having our doors open and everybody welcomed in at any moment and feeling satisfied for um, as um, tens and hundreds of students came through our doors for Shabbat dinner and a barbecue and a social event. But as the years went on and as Parrots and myself um, grew and gained wisdom in our experience, and also as the type of student evolved, we have come to understand that we can be welcoming while um, honing and refining what our shlichut, our mission is. And it's not just about an open door policy and feeling satisfied with someone joining us for a Shabbat dinner. And I'm using that example as a prime one because it's so closely um associated with Chabad on campus, where, you know, Shabbat dinners are a weekly event. Um, but we we need to start changing the conversation um, in, a, in a clear and articulate way towards the student, asking them and probing them and sometimes even challenging them, what are they contributing to their Jewish experience at Brandeis? How much are they relying on the organizations and Chabad being one of, one of them and um, how much are they relying on that to experience their, you know, Judaism? And what, on the contrary, are they contributing? What are they taking initiative? What are, what are they being responsible and accountable for? And it didn't diminish our welcoming in that everyone has the opportunity to answer that question. But what we've noticed is that not everybody actually answers that question. Um, and it started um, self-selecting the type of students now who come to us because they realize that we're more than a Shabbat dinner, not because we are more than a Shabbat dinner, but because they need to have more of a Shabbat dinner, more than a Shabbat dinner in their Jewish experience if it is going to impact them, especially when they leave. And so that that's how we combined our welcoming vibe along with a certain um, shift in thinking first in ourselves and then learning to articulate it to the type of students. Also, um, it's very important to understand who we are here for. And so it demands that we um, reflect um, often on what type of students are coming through our door. And that's what lent itself to the recent conversations we've had with you about the change in the students since you were here. To touch on that, what were students like and what was your job like when you started at Brandeis? And remind me again how long you've been at Brandeis? We just completed our 17th year. So it's an interesting question because I can't isolate it to just this change in students because 17 years is a significant amount of time and parents and I have also changed and our family has grown and we see things differently. So there's definitely a combination of those elements. Um, but, but to your question about students, um, we understood that students were choosing more in a thoughtful and deliberate way to come and experience different things with us in the Chabad house or outside of the Chabad house. And there was a certain deliberate slowness to their experience. There wasn't much distraction and thinking that um, something else is coming up. There wasn't the, the vibration of the phones. There wasn't the, what is everyone else doing? There wasn't this need for a photo op all the time. And so there was this, when someone was in our home learning or talking with us, there, there wasn't this rush. And what we f find now is that students are um, distracted a lot 
mentally and emotionally. And so they're not fully sitting and experiencing um, simple things like a conversation, you know, having eye to eye contact, um, putting away their their distractions. And so there's a certain rush um, towards their life. They fill it up much more with things um, and experiences without giving enough time to develop certain ones and stretch it and really peel back a layer. It's just, you know, let's go from here to here to here. And so that's been a, a significant change. Do you wonder, though, if part of the change that you're seeing is actually uh, a change in you? In other words, you started at Brandeis uh, 17 years ago with a much smaller crowd, and you didn't have six children at the time. Uh, you know, I do agree that this generation is more distracted, but at the same time, I imagine so are you. How do you know that that the change you're seeing is a change in this in the students and not a change in your um, resources and time? To a degree, it's true. Uh, our resources and our time is more stretched out. It's more limited than it was when we were, you know, just the two of us in our mid to upper twenties uh, with uh, one child in a second just on the way but we see it also in the the students at large in large numbers that this is across the board um, that they're more conducting themselves in the way that Hani is describing Um, and even when we do create those times those pockets of times where we're there fully without in a certain sense let's call it our personal distractions um, the presence of the students is not there. Uh, the offerings that we've had in the past, up until a couple of years ago, we continued to offer it. Uh, for instance, iLearn, uh, which we had started in 2007, um, just about the time the iPhone was invented. <laughs> oh, what's iLearn, quickly, for those who don't know? iLearn was a program that we started in 2007. Uh, after being here for about four, five, six years, uh, where we had a lot of students coming to Shabbat dinner, then we created these uh, educational programs. We wanted students to get more involved educationally with Chabad and, and see Chabad not just as an experiential place for experiential Judaism, but also intellectual. And we've had you know upwards of 100 students participating in the different iLearn classes uh, that we were offering. Uh, beginning in around 12, 2012, 2013, those numbers started to drop. The offerings were the same, but the numbers started to drop. And looking back now, we see that this shift that Hani is describing starting around that time. And interestingly enough, now the research and the data is out that that shift is actually happening across society. Uh, So therefore, to your question, sure, we've shifted shifted in the sense that our time has become more limited in a sense. But it doesn't take away from what is going on in students. The shift that has happened to us also is that now we have the insight, the foresight, and the confidence to call it out, to identify it, and be willing to address it, and not be content with the fact that we have a full house coming for Shabbat dinner, we'll have a full house coming to some major events that we do, and our presence is strong. So the fact that in other areas there's a decrease and there's a diminishing, most importantly, a diminishing and decrease that impacts the students' development uh, in this critical point in their lives, 
uh, we could easily look away at look look away from it, but our growth and maturation gives us the confidence and the insight to say we're going to take this head on. Has your general goal at the Chabad House at Brandeis changed over the years? Have your observations about what's going on with students changed what you want to do here, or is it just that you 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 need to change your tactics in order to achieve the same goal? What, what, it, what was your goal when you started? What is your goal now? Well, I'd say back then, our goal was to give students a positive Jewish experience. Really simple. We believe that if we can give them a positive Jewish experience, different from what they experienced in the past, or one that is positive at this point in their lives, when they're in college, when they're in this point of development and of transition, that is sufficient giving them that positive Jewish experience, whether it is at a Shabbat dinner or whether it is in a class. Give them the positive to Jewish experience and it will be good. Now we don't believe that any longer. Now we believe that we need to actually go deeper, probe deeper, and impact their lives, that there is a shift and a change and an accelerated maturation and growth that we need to uh, achieve uh, in their lives, using the same tools that we've had till now, basically Shabbat, education, Judaism, but speak more directly to them as opposed to passively um, being satisfied with giving them that positive Jewish experience and, in, and believing that now they will take it further and have it applied into their lives. And if you want, I could actually summarize it differently and say that before we saw ourselves as a marketing organization, namely we are here to market Judaism positively and try to get as many clients and customers to buy into it. Now we see ourselves as an educational organization and Hani and I as educators, not as marketers. And as educators and as an educational organization, your goal is to impact young people at a point in their lives when they're looking to grow and to change and to mature. And that requires a different outlook, different skill sets, different direction, and most importantly, a different language. A language which is more penetrating as opposed to a language which is more attractive. Yeah, I hear you, and that sounds great. But then I think about my experience with younger people and I say that kind of with a smile because I'm only 32 but in 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 the world of technology that's now ancient um but when I talk to young young people I'm just I'm I'm blown away at uh at the depth of or the lack of depth that we have in our conversations it's it's really difficult to um to to talk to them below the surface uh so the job seems overwhelming to me. So my question to you is, 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 have you done this already? Have you had any success? Have you had uh, meaningful relationships with students that started one way and ended in another, that ended uh, with uh, opening them up to a larger conversation? Have you been able to do this? It is overwhelming. And there are times that we do get frustrated. There are times that we wonder if our change in approach um, will be successful. Um, 
I can't tell you a, an answer that, oh, we've been successful across the board. We, um, if I'm, I'll use Paris as example of iLearn. And so when the numbers were declining, we had to say, we had to find a new model on how to um, engage with people um, intellectually. And so we stripped the whole thing apart. Well, we stripped it away. We actually put it away. And we said, instead of Parrots and I offering a selection of classes and topics, we won't be doing that anymore. Instead, we'll open the library. And um, we'll say the library's open seven days a week, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Are you interested in learning? Are you interested in discovering something new? Um, if you are, come anytime on your own or with a partner. And we'll be here. Um, you know, as your librarian, as your concierge, to guide you, to answer your questions. Um, but it's up to you now, because we were finding that many people were saying, I don't have time, my, your schedule doesn't work with my schedule, I know those topics already, which we understood to be mostly an excuse for, I'm not interested. So the way we changed our language before we shared this specific idea with them, we said, we're here to make a difference in your life, not so much currently, but when you walk out of the campus life after four years what are you going to do about all these experiences that were in a certain sense given to you probably not a lot but if I were to say I'm not giving it to you anymore except I'm just unlocking the door are you do you care enough to walk in the door um, and initiate a learning experience on your own that will have a much greater impact on you while you do it and when you leave because you'll realize the importance of accountability and ownership of time Time is what I was mentioning earlier of, of a lot of distractions. I don't have time. I don't have time. We all have time, and we all definitely can create time to things that matter. And there are things that we have to put aside because other things matter more. And so we were teaching students to take ownership of their time. And we brought the numbers back up to close to 100 participants this year with a new project called the Chabad Club. And it, was, it blew us away um, in that people were responding. So... In a way that you're right, it's hard to uncover the that first superficial how's the weather doing type of conversation. But not that they don't want to, but that they need to be taught how to. They need somebody to keep them in the conversation one more minute longer and ask a question that makes them shift, that takes the, the un like takes the glaze in their eyes away one more time. Perhaps even makes them squirm. A little bit or makes them smile because we found that when we had those conversations with people who were still hesitant to join or like mm, I don't have time we were bolder in our approach and I said don't say you don't have time anymore better say I'm not interested because that will teach you that you're not interested in learning now and then I would ask you to ask yourself why and when I would have those kind of conversations with people they would say aha I'm not interested perhaps because day school wiped the drive out of me, um, perhaps because I think I know enough and when I'm interested I will, you know, pursue it, or a myriad, but they appreciated me pushing them a little bit more. And some of them chose not to join, and some of them chose to join. Um, but it was a, a wonderful, wonderful, satisfying, because we were saying we were unsatisfied with certain experiences, a more satisfying experience. Um, having these types of conversations with students. And I'm getting feedback from them currently and asking them how this club um, impacted them. And many of them have given me insight into what giving up 45 minutes a week, not giving up, but dedicating 45 minutes a week 
um, has done to them. Some of them have even said, we, we fail to come every single week. And I'm learn and they're learning how to sh- um, time, manage their time better. And I say, if that was the only thing that was successful in the Chabad Club, that is good enough because you'll come back to it more mature. So... What took you so long to to have that like very? <laughs> I mean, to me, that doesn't seem like a big thing to tell students to their face. You know, everybody has time. Don't tell me you don't have time. Tell me you're not interested. Why did it take you 17 years to to ask students that question? The mindset which we arrived here with 17 years ago, in a certain sense, it's almost the Chabad mindset, not Chabad the philosophy, but Chabad more the organization. Uh, the the business model in a certain sense that we had to in a certain sense undo we had to strip away we had to reject it and that mindset is basically one where we need to be appealing we need to be attractive we need in a sense we're marketing Judaism and it's about the client it's about the customer it's about their feedback. It's about, are they buying in? And you want to get as many buy-ins as possible. Once we get the buy-in, we've succeeded. And the more buy-in we have, the more numbers we have, the more attractive we have, uh, we are. Now, the need for that attraction also plays itself out financially. In other words, we are dependent on funds that we raise on our own. So we believe that the more people come to our programs the stronger we show our legitimacy and our need and the service we provide, the more people will support us because we need that support. Otherwise, we sink. We don't have any outside organiz- any outside source of, of, of income, of support. So that builds into that mindset uh, that we can't be so direct because we may uh, alienate. And Chabad is not about alienation. Chabad is about being welcoming, like you said in the beginning. So we had to, in a certain sense, mature our understanding of what it is to be Chabad and what is our mission and our purpose. And in a certain sense, we had to say, that may have been necessary at the early stages. Just arriving 17 years ago in in an environment which was skeptical and suspicious of the need so we have to show that they're actually within the model that exists on the campus where the Jewish organizations are to, here to serve the students, to give them a positive campus Jewish experience, we can do that too. And we can do that well. And maybe even better than what's being done now. And we did that. And we proved it. But then we turned around and asked ourselves, is that what we're about? Are we about serving people in a sense are we about creating positive experiences no no we're here about impacting people impacting people changing lives and changing the world similar to what we do to ourselves we're trying to impact our own lives and change our own lives and we need to impart that on the students furthermore the students need it and deserve it and we're selling them short by not providing it to them and part of that is also a realization because we follow the students after they graduate and we see what happens with their lives afterwards and made us realize that there were a lot of missed opportunities on our part while they were in college and in a certain sense of responsibility and failed opportunity on our part. So all these coming together 
at different points in time and over and, and slowly gave us finally and I will say one thing also a, a, a certain frustration and of and uh, and saying that this is not working and a certain I, I'll even use the word burnout that we experienced over time where we were sort of getting tired of same old same old um, all of these elements combined together in a sense and combusted to the point that a year ago, last year, we in a certain sense said, let's stop what we're doing. This was during the break, not when school was in, but you know, during the late spring, early summer. And let's reflect on who we are, what we do. Let's look at the assumptions that we came into this with in 2001, which proved to be accurate, which proved to be false, which proved to be relevant, which are no longer relevant, and start again. And start again with the resources, experience, and insight that we have. Thank you for listening. The conversation continues next week in part two of this episode. To receive notifications of our latest podcasts, please subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app, like Apple Podcasts or Google Play. We welcome your feedback and thoughts on our website, anewconvo.com, and on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash anewconvo.com.